I'm Gary. This is episode 66 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at particulate matter and why something so microscopic is such a big problem. Before we start, I wanted to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to the Patreon account, please do so. From only £3 per month, you can really help support the work I do on the channel. It allows me to approach people such as Hollywood director Duncan Jones, ChargePoint operators such as Osprey, BP Chargemaster, Alpha Power and Instavolt, and get them on the podcast to talk about things that are important and interesting to you as an EV owner or prospective owner. Follow the link in the notes to join. Thank you. Our main topic of discussion today is particulate matter. Cast your mind back into the deepest, darkest recesses of time, or back to the start of lockdown actually, there were several photos circulating on social media showing Los Angeles without smog. The air was clear and the views were great. When we chatted with Duncan Jones in episode 49, he discussed how things had changed in LA over the years. I'm old enough that I used to come to Los Angeles back in the 70s as a kid and barely be able to breathe here. Honestly, I'd lift, I'd, we'd, we'd be out here for a week or two for either dad was working or was visiting my mum. I couldn't go outside because I couldn't breathe. I remember that. And it's much, much, much better now. But you still have bad days. And the pollution can get really kind of heavy when, you know, when it's a really, you know, just a still day and it's hot and all the cars are out and everyone's using the air, air conditioning. And it doesn't have to be that way. That's the thing is, is I truly believe it doesn't have to be that way. And if it doesn't have to be that way here, it sure as hell doesn't have to be that way in London or other cities where things are not as as geographically kind of designed to trap pollution. Los Angeles is just, is just, <laughs> it's just in a really bad place because it's surrounded by mountains. And, and when you get a still day, everything just gathers in the city. Have you seen some of the recent pictures of downtown LA without any of the smog? Because of course, everybody's in quarantine now. So you it's know. stunning. It's not, I mean, Los Angeles for sure, but there's, there's, there's pictures coming from all over the world. I think there's, there's, there's um, I remember seeing a city uh, in, in India where they they could actually see they could see the um uh, god the himalayas you could see the himalayas it was the first time in 30 years that, that that anyone had seen the himalayas from this city smog is a portmanteau word made from two other words smoke and fog now obviously in los angeles there's smog every day and there isn't always smoke and rarely is there fog so what's actually creating the smog it is of course air pollution Exhaust fumes from the millions of vehicles stuck in gridlock on the LA highways all being caught in the fairly unique geographic situation of LA, which has hills surrounding it on several sides trapping the fumes in one place. A large part of the exhaust fumes consists of particulate matter, but particulate matter comes from places other than car exhausts, and we'll talk about that shortly. But first, a few facts. 92% of the world's population live in places where pollution exceeds safe limits. If the US went to 25% EVs, it could save $1 trillion a year in things like cleaner air, improved healthcare, and a reduced impact on climate change. The Royal College of Physicians estimates 40,000 deaths a year in the UK alone are linked to air pollution. The Global Burden of Disease study estimates that 3.4 million premature deaths were attributed to outdoor air pollution in 2017. Bjorn Nyland, Norwegian Tesla owner and YouTuber, splits his time between Norway and Thailand. While in Thailand, he wears a face mask, not for COVID-19 purposes, but to protect himself from the poor air quality in that area. 
The recent California wildfires have caused lots of air quality issues which have increased the heat index there and made the likelihood of fires even higher. Before we go any further, let's define particulate matter, or PM. This is microscopic particles that float in air and get inhaled by humans and animals. One of the key indicators of increasing pollution levels is a, is a measure known as PM2.5. The 2.5 in PM2.5 refers to the size of the pollutant in micrometers, or micrometers. The tiniest thing the human eye can see is at least 0.1 millimeters, about the width of a strand of fine hair, 17 micrometers. So this is much, much smaller than that. Pollution levels are, of course, an indicator of climate change. The records for atmospheric CO2 in the air can be traced back to the pollution caused by burning fossil fuels. At the moment, November 2020, the proportion of CO2 in the atmosphere globally is 418 parts per million. Historically, we were much lower than that. In 1960, it was less than 320 parts per million. As recently as 1980, it was only 340 parts per million. Although there are different types of particulate matter, PM2.5 has been identified as being of key interest for one simple reason. The particulates and whatever microscopic toxins they may be carrying with them can't just penetrate your lungs. They're also small enough to pass directly into your bloodstream. And the long-term issues that this can cause can include lowered heart function, possibly leading to heart attack, asthma attacks, reduced lung function and exacerbation of lung conditions, wheezing or coughing, throat, nose or eye irritation, and shortness of breath. Not fun. So where does particulate matter come from? Well, in the first instance, with ice vehicles, PM comes from the burning of hydrocarbons. This is an overall pervasive issue for many reasons. We've already mentioned the fact that sitting in traffic on an LA freeway during rush hour can cause pollution, but it's even worse than that in some places. If you're taking your kids to school, or picking them up, and you're in a queue of vehicles, each one of them will be kicking out PM2.5 right into the kids who are waiting to be picked up. This is particularly egregious for very young or small kids, as the exhaust fumes are coming out at their height rather than those of an adult who will, of course, be taller. And this is the reason a number of countries have idling laws. You cannot sit in one place with a vehicle engine running for more than X minutes. In the UK, local authorities have the power to issue £20 fixed penalties for emission offences and stationary idling under the road traffic brackets, vehicle emissions, close brackets, fixed penalty, close brackets, England, close brackets, regulations, 2002. That is a little bit of a mouthful. However, it is important to note that fines are imposed only if a motorist refuses to switch off their engine when asked to do so by an authorised person. Idling is commonplace for a number of grocery home delivery providers, for example. Because a lot of their vans have freezers attached to them, it's preferred that the vans are kept running permanently during the day to ensure the freezer stays cold and so your food doesn't melt. And this can be while the actual delivery is being made or when a driver is waiting between deliveries to arrive at a scheduled time. Those grocery companies that have gone electric don't have this issue as the freezer is cooled from the traction battery or from a plug at the depot. Recently, Ocado in the UK had permission denied for a new depot which was situated right next to a junior school in London. And one of the deciding factors in the planning authority's decision to refuse this was the pollution aspect so close to a school. So particulate matter is an issue pretty much everywhere. Suppose, however, we got every car on the road to be an EV. Would that stop PM2.5? No. It would certainly improve the situation, with far fewer small particles being kicked out 
into the atmosphere. But PM 2.5 doesn't just come from burning fossil fuels. It also comes from burning anything. This includes the lovely vanilla scented candle you have in your bedroom at night, or the wood-burning fire that heats your living room on a winter's evening. Fireworks, barbecues and fire pits all contribute to PM 2.5. There are certain people who have sensors outside their home which measures the amount of PM 2.5 in the air, and it can pick up somebody lighting a backyard fire to burn some paper or leaves or whatever, so it's actually quite sensitive. Given that we're living in a world where we are being negatively influenced by a novel respiratory virus, this would seem to be something of a problem. But it doesn't stop there. Even if every car on the road was an EV, we would still get particulate matter from vehicles. And this is because the tyres that every car runs on will be creating particulates. You've all had to have tyres replaced after they've worn down. Have you ever stopped to ask where the worn down bits of tyre have gone? Sometimes it's fairly thick chunks of rubber left on the side of the road, Formula One call these the marbles. But more often than not, it's the tyres wearing down into fine PM2.5, which is then caught up in the air vortex around the moving vehicles and tossed into the atmosphere. This then mixes with all the other types of particulate matter in the air that we breathe, and it continues the problem. Luckily, in the case of tyres, there is a solution. More durable tyres are being created that last longer than the ones we use now, but the problem with these tyres is that because they last longer, tyre manufacturers won't sell as many of them, so the price will increase. So the question then becomes, would you spend £500 per tyre for one that lasts much longer and minimises the PM2.5 that's produced? For a lot of EV buyers, that's a simple answer. Yes, running an electric vehicle gives you a better understanding of the total cost of ownership of a car rather than the short-term price for purchasing something. With expensive tyres, it will mean a bigger upfront purchase, but it will also result in fewer tyres being bought over the lifetime of the vehicle and an associated long-term cost saving. For current ICE drivers, that may not be the case. Another vehicular source of PM2.5 is brake dust. Every time you apply the brakes in a car, you're wearing down either the metal discs themselves or the carbon brake pads that clamp onto the disc. Over time, these wear down to nothing and need replacing. As with the tyres, this carbon dust is going somewhere, and this somewhere is into the air we breathe. Do EVs still have this issue? Yes, but to a far lesser extent. Because EVs benefit from regenerative braking with their motors and batteries, the usage of the actual mechanical brakes themselves is a lot lower than with an internal combustion engine car. There are reports of EVs covering 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 miles still on their original brake pads because they don't need to use them so much. Of course, ultimately, they will wear down over time, but it's to a far lower and slower extent than for internal combustion engine vehicles. In closing, it's important to remember that PM2.5 is something of a hidden killer. You can't see it in the air, and it's easy to conflate it with overall pollution and CO2 levels, but they are distinct things. But we now know more and more about the causes of and impacts of particulate matter, so it's incumbent on all of us to take steps to reduce and eliminate the source of particulate matter in our lives. Your children and grandchildren will thank you. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with the listeners. Hydrogen is a big thing in the energy market, specifically for energy transport and grid balancing. But a recent two-part report from Bloomberg looks in a great deal of depth at the economics and logistics of hydrogen. 
Basically, back in 1970, hydrogen was touted as the energy saviour solution. Now, 50 years later, it's still been touted as the same, although no great progress has been made. Now, the EU Green Deal is looking at a half a trillion dollars to commercialise hydrogen across Europe. The two-part article that I'm going to link below explains why that's not a particularly economical solution and what the issues are. As with our episode on hydrogen, link in the show notes, the report basically details those situations where hydrogen is going to play a part in the future energy mix and where it won't. Energy storage is one key area, as is transportation for long-distance transport such as planes and cruise ships. But day-to-day road transport such as cars, bikes and vans? Not really. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, please use the EV Musings Twitter account, MusingsEV, or I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast and the newsletter, please consider contributing to become an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, although it is free at the moment on Kindle Unlimited or if you're in the Kindle Lending Library and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If, you, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. A review would be really nice. A five-star review would be superb. Thanks, as always, to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he likes to think of himself as a bit of an inventor. His latest idea is something that will improve air quality across the world. What is it? Everyone should have something attached to their car exhaust that's shaped like the land around Los Angeles. Why? Geographically kind of designed to trap pollution. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.